It's Wednesday, May 1st. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, Attorney General William Barr got grilled on Capitol Hill about the Mueller report and the Mueller letters. We'll explain. Then, what's an unfair advantage in elite sports? There's a new ruling from an international athletics court, and it's controversial. And finally, it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We'll tell you all about an actress who's totally kicking butt. We're here to make your Wednesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Delta. Delta flies to 300 cities around the world, and you can listen to Skim This in all of them. The most confusing story today is about the Mueller report. There's a he said, he said going down between special counsel Robert Mueller and Attorney General Bill Barr. Yeah, it's about the report and Barr's summary and some letters that Mueller wrote. Barr was on Capitol Hill today testifying to the Senate Judiciary Committee about them. Who said what to whom? Um, I said, Bob, what's with the letter? You know, why don't you just pick up the phone and call me if there's an issue? So that's what we're going to talk about today. What's the disagreement and why people are flipping out about these letters? So quick recap. Mueller gave his report on the Russia investigation to Barr on March 22nd. It's 448 pages. Barr skimmed that quick and sent a letter to a group of congressional leaders with a wrap-up of the conclusions. Four pages. He said that Mueller found that Russia interfered in the 2016 election, but that the Trump campaign did not collude with Russia on that. And he also said that Mueller didn't decide whether President Trump obstructed justice. So Barr said he would. And he said there wasn't enough evidence to show that Trump did. And then he said he needed some time alone in a room with a Sharpie to black out sensitive info. Caught up? Okay. So then two weeks ago, Barr released the full report. And it was clear that the story was more complicated. In the report, Mueller said he found 10 instances of potential obstruction of justice. And he said he would have exonerated Trump if the evidence showed it. But it didn't. But he also says he couldn't indict Trump in part because of a Justice Department policy that says you can't do that to a sitting president. So what's new? Well, last night, The Washington Post reported that right after Barr released his letter, but before the report was released to the public, Mueller sent Barr two letters. And that news is stirring things up. So why do these letters matter? Okay, the timeline here is really important. After Barr released his SparkNotes version of the Mueller report, President Trump was saying this. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration. And so were most Republicans. But reports came out that Mueller's team was kind of pissed. Lawmakers asked Barr about this when he testified on Capitol Hill in early April. Here's Barr before the House Appropriations Subcommittee. Members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter uh, that it does not adequately or accurately necessarily portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're referencing with that? No, I don't. The next day, he was asked something similar before the Senate Appropriations Committee. I don't know whether Bob Mueller supported my conclusions. So on April 9th and 10th, Barr said he didn't know. But now we know that he did know. 
The day after Barr sent out his summary, March 24th, Mueller sent him a letter, along with summaries of every section of the report. He asked him to pass them along, but Barr didn't do that. And we also know that Mueller followed up two days later, saying, please release these summaries because now there's, quote, public confusion about critical aspects of the investigation, and that it threatened to undermine the public's confidence in Mueller. Barr still didn't do it. And then, on April 9th and 10th, Barr said, I have no idea what Mueller thinks about all this, in front of Congress. Why is this a big deal? Two reasons. One, some Democrats are saying Barr misled or even lied to them. To be clear, lying to Congress is a felony. Some legal experts say the attorney general may not have crossed the line to actually lying, even if he wasn't totally straightforward. Some Democrats are calling on him to resign. Here's Adam Schiff, the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee today. Look, there's no sugarcoating this. I think he should step down. This is also a big deal because Democrats have questioned whether Barr was impartial, even before he took the job. He had written a memo defending presidential power, saying that presidents can't be investigated for firing officials who work for them, no matter why they fire them, which was one of the key points in the obstruction of justice investigation. And ever since he wrote his summary, they've been accusing him of acting like the president's personal lawyer rather than the nation's top prosecutor. And the fallout is already shaping up. Today, there were a bunch of 2020 candidates on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, and Kamala Harris. And they went after Barr for not being upfront about these letters from Mueller and pressed him for more info on why he decided not to press charges. But Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee took a whole other route. They questioned the entire purpose of the original investigation into Russia. The top Republican on the committee, Lindsey Graham, says he'll be looking into whether the FBI, the guys who started the investigation, was too anti-Trump. But on the matter of Mueller's report, he said, I have read most of the report. For me, it is over. A lot of Republicans can feel that. So what's the skim? Barr's supposed to head back to Capitol Hill tomorrow for round two with the House Judiciary Committee. This time, Democrats are in charge of the hearing. And Barr's not happy that they want to let some of their staff lawyers ask him questions. So he may not show up, in which case Dems might try to hold Barr in contempt of court, the top law enforcement officer in the country. So things are getting intense, and it's only Wednesday. A big decision in elite sports is also getting a lot of attention. That story's next. Ran out of coffee? Staring at an empty toilet paper roll? Just use the last of your toothpaste and you've got a date? Everyone's been there. And Delta flies there to 300 cities around the world. That's 300 cities where people are going to a convenience store to fill up on supplies. In their pajamas. Delta doesn't just fly to 300 cities to bring us together at those stores. They do it to show us that we weren't that far apart to begin with. Delta, keep climbing. What does it mean to compete as a woman in elite sports? An international athletics court said today it's about testosterone, which may sound weird, but testosterone was at the center of a landmark ruling in a case brought by the South African runner Castor Semenya. The International Association of Athletics Federation told her she had too much testosterone to compete against women in certain elite races. 
and that she'd have to take testosterone suppressants if she wanted to keep running races between 400 and 1,600 meters. So she took them to court. Today, the court said, yeah, that restriction is discriminatory. But they said it was necessary to keep women's elite sports fair and square. So what's going on here? Sports authorities set what they consider to be normal levels of testosterone in men and women. When elite athletes get tested for doping, this is one of the things they test for. And they ban athletes whose levels are too high. So here's what you need to know. Semenya is a woman, but she has something called hyperandrogenism. It's a form of intersexuality, or differences of sexual development. Basically, it means she has higher levels of testosterone than most women. Experts say that 5 to 10% of all women are hyperandrogenic. In a Nike ad last year, Semenya asked if it would be easier if she wasn't so fast. That's too bad, because I was born to do this. But the athletics governing body says that those high levels of testosterone are an unfair advantage in Semenya's specific races, and in the hammer throw and the pole vault, and the 400-meter hurdle. They're very specific about where testosterone plays a role. Semenya's lawyers say that there are other unfair advantages no one cares about. Michael Phelps has huge hands and feet, which are like paddles for a swimmer. Simone Biles is really short, which is good for a gymnast. A researcher told a South African news broadcast that Semenya's advantage, her testosterone levels, are natural. So even if it is an advantage, if the research does show that it is, it's a natural advantage. And who am I to tell you that your natural advantage is unfair that everyone else's natural advantage is perfectly fair. The judges say the ruling isn't supposed to target Semenya, but it kind of does. An Indian sprinter named Duty Chand has fought the same battle for years. But her events are the 100 and 200 meter sprints. And they say strangely that testosterone doesn't give her a leg up here. So she won't be affected by the ruling. But this ruling could have bigger implications for transgender athletes too. The Olympics are coming up in Tokyo next year. As it stands now, transgender athletes don't have to undergo reassignment surgery to compete anymore. But transgender women have to suppress their testosterone to 10 nanomoles per liter for a year before competing, which is double the requirement for Semenya. So this ruling could affect their eligibility, too. The South African government is planning to appeal, and Semenya is still making a decision about whether to push back. But she'll have to do it fast. The ruling could already affect Semenya's next big race. If she wants to compete at the World Championships this September, she'd have to start taking suppressant medication this week. Today, actress Lucy Liu is finally getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She kicked butt in Charlie's Angels, helped solve crimes in the TV show Elementary, and she made heads roll in the boardroom as O Renishi in Kill Bill. The price you pay for bringing up either my Chinese or American heritage as a negative is, I collect your head. And she's done that in real life, too. Lou's been huge in boosting Asian American representation in Hollywood. But clearly, we're not there yet. There are more than 2,600 stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but Lou's only the second Asian American woman to be honored. She'll be right next to Anna Mae Wong, the first Chinese-American actress to work in Hollywood. We've got more on Anna Mae Wong and other Asian-American firsts on our website to celebrate Asian-American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. You can find it at theskim.com news. And that's all for Skim This. 
Thanks for listening and don't forget to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 